Fired Up show starts right now. And hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fired Up podcast right here on WJMS Media. As always, this is Steve, and I bring you the news of the mechanics of the American political system every week to you right here from WJMS Media. And as always, we're going to kick it off and get started with our update on where we are here in the U.S. with the COVID-19 virus. Uh, We are currently at uh, 80.2 million cases uh, tracking here in the U.S. We've had 983,000 deaths, so we are closing in on that infamous 1 million mark with that category. And we have 560 million people who have been vaccinated at least once um, by uh, for the COVID-19 disease. Uh, in other news, as we stick in the the COVID segment for a second here, uh, saw some news coming out of the United Kingdom. Uh, shout out to all of our listeners over there, courtesy of Mint Wave Radio. Uh, we appreciate you as well. Uh, so what's happening over in the UK? Well, the uh, NHS, which is, I, I imagine, the uh, equivalent to the uh, Institutes of Health here in the U.S. Uh, for Great Britain, uh, they're reporting, and this comes out of the uh, American desk of Sun News, and uh, the article uh, came out um, just yesterday and talks about how uh, there have been some additional new symptoms for COVID uh, which have been added to the official NHS list uh, as the number of people with the virus uh, in the UK uh, is reaching record highs. Uh, More than two years into the pandemic, the article starts out, the list of possible signs that someone might have the illness has been quietly extended. Uh, There have been nine new symptoms added to the NHS's official COVID list. And of course, you understand that uh, the symptoms and the the issues with COVID that happen in Great Britain um, are very likely to uh, wind up on our shores. And, you know, as I reported in the last podcast, we are seeing an uptick in the number of new Omicron uh, DD2 variant showing up here in uh, the U.S. Uh, the you know a- as as everybody knows initially the symptoms that we were warned to watch out for most were a high temperature, uh, a new continuous cough, and a loss or change to the senses of smell and taste. Uh, these were symptoms that uh, could indicate that you have been infected with COVID. Uh, There are some some additions to that list uh, that were brought out by the NHS. So in addition to those three, uh, the symptoms they are now saying we should be on the watch for include shortness of breath, feeling tired or exhausted, an aching body, headache, a sore throat, a blocked or runny nose, a loss of appetite, diarrhea, Uh, feeling sick or being sick. Uh, The NHS website says the symptoms are very symptom, I'm sorry, the symptoms are very similar to symptoms of other illnesses such as colds and flu. And it comes 
you know, on the heels of the minor variant Omicron uh, that swept the UK with millions of those infected reporting different symptoms from the first strains. You know, and according to the uh, COVID tracker app uh, called Zoe, uh, people suffering the mutation could be experiencing ringing ears, unusual joint pains, and brain fog. Uh, so as previous, anyone who exhibited any symptom was urged to get a test as soon as possible. So as, as we can see, uh, even in the face of uh, entities like the CDC and the, the, the other medical and scientific uh, people here in the U.S., uh, relaxing some of the restrictions that we have been you know, placed under over the last two years, you know, such things as mask wearing and um, social distancing, lockdowns, things like that, uh, we're still not out of the woods there is still the potential for serious illness from COVID, uh, whether it is the, you know, the Delta variant, the Omicron variant, or this new subvariant. Um, so, you know, the, the moral of the story, of course, is we may need to maintain our vigilance. We need to continue to follow, you know, the medical and scientific guidelines and also you know, and this can't be stressed enough, we need to use common sense. If, you know, you are heading out into a situation where, you know, the spread of COVID uh, could be highly likely, then, you know, you need to make sure that you're taking the necessary precautions, that you're wearing your mask when it's appropriate, that you continue to practice good hygiene, such as hand washing or sanitizing, uh, and that you try as best you can to maintain some distance between you and others. Uh, you know, that, that's just, as I said, common sense things that we should be doing. And, you know, we're not out of the woods. Uh, if, if you're a, a person, particularly a person who has, you know, refused to get a vaccin vaccination, or even if you've gotten vaccinations and haven't gotten your booster shots, uh, you know, it is clear that all indications are that that would be uh, something that you should seriously consider uh, getting done. Uh, it is clear, uh, especially with the, the newer variants, that uh, being vaccinated and being boosted, uh, number one, greatly reduces your risk of ending up being hospitalized. Uh, and, you know, in, in, in conjunction with that, your risk of dying from the disease is also greatly greatly reduced so you know it it can make the difference between something that is you know uh, very life-threatening to you know some mild symptoms which you know isolation at home and you know some basic uh, health and hygiene precautions will allow you to um, to get through this in the course you know of uh, five to ten days or maybe a little longer so, you know, word to the wise, you know, it and I, I know there are a lot of people out there who don't believe in the vaccine and so forth. You know, all I can say is, you know, my advice to you uh, is, you know, consider your health, consider the health of your family, your neighbors, your community. Um, you know, the, the vaccine has been administered many, many, many times. Five hundred and sixty million people 
have gotten the vaccine um, with only the, the very smallest fraction uh, of a fraction of 1% exhibiting any adverse effects from it. So uh, let's get out there. Let's get vaccinated. Let's stay safe. Let's practice our, you know, our, our protocols. And let's try and see if we can keep this, um, this latest variant uh, at least at, at minimal levels, if not at bay completely. So that's, that's the, the COVID words of wisdom for this episode. Um, now let's, let's turn the page and uh, get into some things about politics, which I'm uh, really, really anxious to get into. All right. So um, if you're uh, a longtime listener uh, to this program, whether it's the podcast version we have now or the, the, the radio formatted version, that we've been doing for uh, almost two years on WJMS. Uh, you're familiar with uh, how I always say that you need to, to research your information from multiple sources. You need to get as broad a, a spectrum of information about whatever concerns you. Uh, and you know, through doing that research, you will oftentimes find what is what is real, what is the, the, and I'll put it in quotes, truth, close, quote, and um, get the information that can help you make informed decisions and informed choices. Uh, I, I've talked about that quite a bit on this show. Uh, I have you know, suggested frequently that whether you are uh, on the left or on the right, you need to listen to uh, sources of news and information from across the spectrum so that you have a broad perspective of what's going on, what the discussion is, and you know where the real truth lies. Uh, there was a, an article that came out of Vox. Uh, and actually, it was on their online site. Uh, and this was from uh, February 23rd. And they did a study uh, that looked at the news sources trusted by greater than 40% of the you know, members of the two political parties. So it's 40, greater than 40% of Democrats, greater than 40% of Republicans. And they, they came away with some very interesting uh, results. And basically, for those who you know, are Democrat or lean Democrat, the news sources trusted by more than 40% of that group included CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, PBS, the New York Times, the BBC, MSNBC, the Washington Post, NPR, and Time. Uh, and, you know, kind, kind of no surprise there. Those, uh, those news sources are uh, the more progressive and, and the more uh, left-leaning uh, of the crop. And again, keep in mind that this is just those, uh, those sources that showed a greater than 40% uh, trust rating by the groups. So when you jump over to the Republican side, uh, surprisingly... Uh, the Republicans who uh, trust 
uh, a news source by more than 40 percent, uh, as reported in this poll, uh, was Fox News. That's it. So, you know, while there are other sources, uh, both on, you know, the 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 more liberal side of the coin and on the you know more conservative right leaning side of the coin, you know, and you, know, you think about, as we mentioned, that, you know, you've got Newsmax and and so forth, other sources out there, they don't uh, have a 40 percent or higher trust rating with their constituent groups, so they didn't make the list. What we learned from that and what we can, can infer from this is that um, a, a greater than 40% segment of Republicans um, only trust or place the majority of their trust in Fox News. Uh, and you know, if, if you follow the the news about the news you frequently and, and often uh, of late have been hearing stories about uh, the caliber of news uh, coming out of uh, the Fox organization um, there have been a lot of questions with certain of their uh, on-air uh, media personalities um, I'm not going to get into names uh, but, you know, if, if you think about Fox, you can tick off the five or six people that, you know, are, are the most um, forward facing, the most out there among the Fox, um, you know, media personalities. And, you know, that is, you know, that organization, that group is providing a similar message across the board. Uh, to their to their base listeners to that forty percent or more. Um, the same thing on the Democratic side, in that you have you know kind of the uh, the usual suspects when you think about um, more liberal, progressive, uh, left um, leaning news organizations. You pretty much will get that list that I read every time. Um, and I, I make no judgments on, you know, the, the news organizations. Uh, frankly, out of the, the entire collection, um, I listen to all of them uh, to as much as, as I can in the course of the day and the week. Uh, because, as I always say, I want to get as full a picture of what's going on with a set of events as possible. Um, I want to hear what the... Uh, the, the right is saying about a subject as well as what the left is saying about a subject. I want to know, you know, what the, those listeners and viewers and readers of, you know, Fox information, what they're seeing as well as what the consumers of MSNBC, PBS, NPR, Time, etc. Uh, on the left, what they're seeing. Because when you place the two of them side by side, uh, invariably you find those commonalities that indicate uh, where there might be a kernel of truth uh, in the story, and that that is important. You know, as as I've been saying, you know, from day one on this show, if you're not getting a well-rounded picture of what's going on in you know in your world, then you're operating uh, at something of a handicap. 
Now, I'm not saying whether um, which side is correct. Uh, I'm just saying that we all need to be consuming and, and learning and educating ourselves from as broad a collection of sources as possible so that we can therefore turn around and make the smartest decisions and choices that we can. Um, it, you know, it's clear as you look at you know, the, the list of stations or the list of organizations that I just mentioned that you know, there is a broader pool of information uh, being consumed um, by those that are Democrat or lean Democrat than there are by those that are Republican or lean Republican. Now, again, these only represent those with trust ratings above 40%. And there are, you know, many, many, many more organizations out there that have a lesser uh, percentage of trust. Doesn't mean that they aren't trusted. It just means that it didn't raise above the 40% level that this survey put in place. You know, but the idea is, you know, even if you are a, you know, hardcore conservative, uh, it, it behooves you to listen to some of the uh, media coming out of the opposite side of the spectrum just to give you some perspective and some, some depth uh, of vision as to what's going on. And, you know, it, it should help to, to temper what you are considering uh, if you are hearing it from other sources and are thereby able to make an informed decision. And don't get it twisted. I'm not, you know, criticizing um, Fox News. Uh, actually, if they are the sole uh, entity that uh, more than 40% of Republicans trust, I suppose you could, you know, give them kudos for their success at getting their message out and getting it received and appreciated by nearly a majority of the Republicans uh, that were surveyed. Uh, and, you know, the fact that there are 12 stations that fall into that group uh, on the Democratic side, uh, I, I'm not weighing in, you know, one over the other. It's not a sheer numbers game. What I'm saying is simply this. Um, the fact that, you know, greater than 40% of Republicans uh, trust only Fox News uh, isn't so much a condemnation of the other sources out there. Uh, rather, it is a recognition that 40% or more of Republicans are getting the same message. Uh, that you know, Fox News, you know, whether you, you follow them or not, whether you uh, share their ideology or not, they are providing a message to a consistent block of you know, Republican and Republican-leaning uh, people out there, uh, which serves to benefit the Republican strategy because uh, there's a, a unified you know, thought process that they're going through. And you can see this when you look at the mechanisms that are used by uh, Republicans and conveying the points they want as we, you know, roll headlong toward the midterms, um, as you know, the various uh, messaging subjects come out, they are, are presented out, you know, from 
you know, Republican leadership. It gets picked up on you know, the, the right wing media, most notably Fox, and that amplifies that message. So, you know, the the listeners are hearing consistent messaging across the Republican talking points, you know, whether they are, are tuning in first thing in the morning, going through midday shows and, you know, coming up into the evening opinion shows. Uh, they're hearing the same message all day long. Whereas if you are in the Democratic side, uh, you will hear a similar message. However, uh, you know, CNN is going to shade it differently than the New York Times will. Uh, the Washington Post isn't going to cover it and, and give the same perspective as the BBC. You know, NPR is going to going to be you know, much different from, you know, NBC or ABC. So while, you know, the, the diversity of message may be beneficial in terms of presenting a broader perspective, it also can tend to sort of blunt the, the point of the, the spear. And, you know, when you're trying to get a solidified political message out there, you really you know, most likely want to have the sharpest focus possible so that your message uh, is resonating with the broadest group of your constituents as possible. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, the the uh, Democratic side of the media sphere is doing it wrong. I'm just saying this is something to be aware of. And, you know, again, it goes to why we want to listen to as many sources as possible so that we're getting, you know, the various inflections and, and the, the gradations in opinion that occur. You know, the, the right is not a monolithic entity any more than the left is a monolithic entity. So, you know, you need to make sure that you're getting your information from as broad a spectrum of sources as possible, as often as possible. And, and again, that's one of the things that we drive home on this show uh, continually all the time. We're always talking about digging wider and deeper, uh, doing your own research, uh, not just taking the word of what's presented to you, but going behind the scenes to understand the mechanics, to understand what makes it tick, who's telling you about it, what's their game. All right. And, and you know, we see this play out again and again. And the closer we get to the midterms, the more intense this is going to become. So just just be aware, expand your sources, uh, do your own diligence, dig wider, dig deeper. That's the working philosophy of this program. And that's why Fired Up is out here to help you uh, drive into what you need in order to make informed decisions. All right, let's um, let's take a break here and we're going to get some messaging, um, you know, public service announcement from your friends here at WJMS Media and Fired Up. We'll be right back after this announcement and we'll continue on and talk about some more of the political mechanics of the day. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMS Media and I'm Steve. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, stay home except to get medical care. Monitor your symptoms. If your symptoms get worse, contact your doctor. 
get rest, and stay hydrated. Avoid public transportation, ride-sharing, or taxis. And take these six steps to protect others. Wear a mask over your mouth and nose if you must be around other people. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when you cough or sneeze. Clean your hands often with soap and water or use hand sanitizer, especially after coughing or sneezing. As much as possible, stay in a separate room and away from others in your home. Avoid sharing personal household items such as dishes, utensils, towels, or bedding. Wash these items thoroughly after using them. And clean all surfaces that are touched often, like counters and doorknobs, every day. To learn more, visit cdc.gov. All right, welcome back. And we're going to pick up with some more uh, political news. We're going to touch on a few subjects that we've talked about in recent podcasts and just kind of update as to where we stand. So with regard to the uh, confirmation hearings for Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, those hearings have concluded and uh, popular news sources are saying that the Democrats have enough votes uh, on hand to have her confirmed, uh, even if, you know, one uh, of the Democrats, you know, crosses over and doesn't confirm, they have a couple of Republicans who are going to vote to confirm. So it, it looks like a fairly certain deal that the Supreme Court of the United States is going to have it its first sitting black female uh, justice. And um, that will be a historic moment. Uh, and I'm personally, you know, as a person of color, I look forward to it. I think it is going to be an exciting day for the Supreme Court. And I think Judge um, Jackson is going to bring an interesting and broadening perspective to the court, even given its 6-3 uh, so-called conservative uh, makeup. So remains to be seen how that goes. I uh, hope everything goes smoothly and that we get to say, you know, welcome aboard, Madam Justice Jackson. Uh, we're so happy to see you sitting on the bench. In other uh, news that we're following up on, um, you know, we continue to see uh, a lot of uh, churn happening around the concepts of critical race theory teaching in elementary school, which, as we've said on this show, kind of surprises us because, number one, it is a college level course uh, and, you know, isn't being taught, you know, and, and I know we shouldn't speak in absolutes. But, you know, it, it, it is most highly likely that it is not being taught in, you know, any significant number of elementary schools in the country. It is just not a course that's geared toward elementary students. Uh, yet the right continues to raise this as a uh, K through 12, you know, particularly K through three, but K through 12 education issue uh, where, you know, all the common knowledge and all of the facts about it say that it doesn't apply to that age group and that age demographic. Uh, in, in a similar fashion, uh, you know, our, our most popular 
uh, state for you know smacking our heads and going why 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 and that would be Florida um, continues to make headlines uh, they uh, are pushing forward with the uh, what's called the don't say gay legislation or basic basically the legislation that would preclude teaching and discussions uh, in the classroom uh, particularly for K through third grade of you know subjects related to LGBTQ um, you know same-sex couples and so forth uh, even in response to questions asked by the children uh, you know it is it is just another uh, case where a uh, targeted uh, demographic group is is being you know excised from our education system and you know rather than have some very well thought out discussion some age appropriate uh, answers to questions that may come in from you know from children today uh, the Florida legislature and governor have decided to basically throw up a wall and you know just eliminate the ability to have uh, any conversation about it never mind an intelligent conversation about it um, but we'll keep we'll keep eyes on that you know that that may or may not survive muster uh, if, as it goes through the court system. We will see what happens. Obviously, you know, much attention and uh, much concern has been raised about the ongoing uh, battle in Ukraine, where you know the the Russian Federation has invaded that country, uh, and you know, with the the idea of you know annexing all of Ukraine and installing a new government uh, that would basically seek to reintegrate Ukraine into the Russian Federation as Vladimir Putin uh, looks to some way to reconstitute the former Soviet Union uh, and to his shock and, and surprise the Ukrainians aren't exactly uh, 100% on board with that. Uh, the the uh, Ukrainian soldiers have fought, you know, bravely and determined determined to, to you know to repel the Russian troops. And in fact, over the last uh, you know three or four weeks, they have had some amount of success at it, uh, particularly in in terms of. Uh, what's been happening with Russian equipment. You know, they have lost um, many, many hundreds of tanks and planes and uh, armored troop carriers and fuel trucks and so forth and pretty much have been um, uh, outflanked and, and surprised by the, you know, the, the hard scrabble Ukrainian military forces uh, combine that with a, a lack of uh, motivation um, by the Russian army. And I heard an interesting discussion on this on the radio the other day. And uh, it, it was laid out that here you have a battle of two armies. Um, one who were dragged kicking and screaming into the battle 
you know, told some less than truthful facts that it was a training, that, you know, it was military games, whatever, and that these uh, troops are, you know, young and, and less experienced uh, conscripts versus, you know, a, a hard-bitten Ukrainian, core Ukrainian defense um, uh, military uh, supplemented by, you know, soldiers from other countries, uh, supplied with materials from NATO, uh, and most notably, and I think this is the important difference here, um, the, the Russians are fighting because they're being told to. The Ukrainians are fighting for the survival of their land, their families, and their way of life. Uh, so the Ukrainians have uh, just put up a ferocious defense of their country and in many instances are finding, you know, that they are uh, forcing the Russian troops to retreat. Uh, the troops are abandoning equipment. You know, basically, um, you know, Ukrainians are not just holding their own, but they are pushing the Russians back. Uh, it's interesting to see. Uh, it's inspiring to watch uh, and to read about. Uh, and, you know, and anytime you have a, a smaller country, a David and Goliath battle going on, you know, you, you root for the, the David uh, and, and hope that, you know, that the Goliath will be defeated or will give up the battle. Now, it is by no means certain that Ukraine is going to win this conflict. However, uh, it is a known fact that it is one thing to conquer a country. It is quite a different thing to maintain that hold, um, you know, especially when you have an entrenched uh, insurgent force and so forth. And you need look no further than, you know, 20 years in Afghanistan and battles in you know other areas to see what happens when you know you are trying to hold territory against a a native uh, defender who knows the land who knows uh, what's going on there and so forth. So you know the the outcome of this uh, is still you know undetermined. Uh, best hope that I've heard in, in discussions over the weekend where people were saying how uh, it, it looks like they are playing toward a, a stalemate uh, and then negotiation on the best possible terms for both sides in ending the conflict and coming to an equitable decision on what happens next. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, now, I wanted to get in and, and spend some time, you know, I've already talked about you know, my my favorite, one of my favorite um, states for giving me a headache, uh, and that would be Florida. No, no offense to you Florida folks out there. I love Florida. I got family down there and so forth. But when I say giving me a headache, I'm talking about your governor. I'm talking about your legislature. So what we have is a news article came out uh, from Salon Magazine, uh, and this came out on Sunday. And it said that a federal judge puts Florida on a 10-year probation 
after ruling voting law disenfranchises black voters. Um, really? Surprise, surprise. Uh, a federal judge on Thursday ruled that parts of Florida's new voting restrictions unconstitutionally disenfranchised black voters and banned the, say, the state from making certain voting changes without approval from the court for the next decade. U.S. District Judge Mark Walker ruled that portions of the law restricting the use of ballot drop boxes, assistance for voters, and third-party voter registration drives violated the Voting Rights Act and constitutional protections because they were passed with the intent to discriminate against black voters. Walker also ruled that the state must get court approval for the next 10 years before it enacts any other changes related to these rules. The ruling effectively put Florida back under pre-clearance requirements that were imposed on states with a history of discrimination under the Voting Rights Act before the Supreme Court in 2013 struck down the pre-clearance rules in its Shelby County versus Holder decision. Uh, Walker wrote in a 288-page ruling that the requirement was necessary because Florida has repeatedly, recently, and persistently acted to deny black Floridians access to the franchise. Florida was one of the numerous Republican-led states that passed new voting restrictions amid former President Donald Trump's campaign to stoke lies about the election, which were often aimed at areas of states he lost that had large black populations. Walker in his ruling wrote that racism was a motivating factor behind Florida's new voting law, SB 90. So, you know, and, and he's quoted here as saying, at some point when the Florida legislature passes law after law disproportionately burdening black voters, this court can no longer accept that the effect is incidental. Walker wrote, based on the indisputable pattern set out above, this court finds that in the past 20 years, Florida has repeatedly sought to make voting tougher for black voters because of their propensity to favor Democratic candidates. In summation, Florida has a horrendous history of racial discrimination in voting. So, you know, stepping out of the article for a little bit for, you know, uh, some broader discussion. So we've talked about this on this show uh, pretty much since day one of the show. I think, and and I'm I'm sure of it because I've looked I've looked at it numerous times. One of the first subjects we talked about on this show was uh, voter disenfranchisement and gerrymandering, uh, because those are two of the most uh, devastating. Uh, attacks that can be made on, you know, voters of color, poor voters, rural voters, basically those who don't vote for the party in power uh, and who historically do not vote for said party. Uh, and and it's not just that it, it's an anti-Republican thing. Uh, there are states that are democratically controlled uh, where we find the same thing, that the Democrats are using some of the same tactics to maintain their hold on power. And we've called this out numerous times on this show. Um, but, you know, it, it's clear that along with uh, Texas 
and Georgia and uh, a couple of other states in the South and in the Southwest that Florida is among the most egregious violators of this. Uh, so it's good that we see this, um, this ruling has been made and, and has been put out there. Um, however, you know, none of us should be um, comfortable with the notion that this ruling will be not challenged. Uh, it's, it's almost guaranteed that there will be, you know, uh, uh, court cases that begin to work their way up the chain toward the Supreme Court for a ruling on this and remains to be seen whether this law will, or whether this ruling rather will remain in effect. What this points to, and you know, again, what has been stated on this show and elsewhere is the need for the, the House and Senate to take up a, you know, the, the voting rights bill, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act bill, and you know the the other bills that have been introduced to restore the uh, pre-clearance rules and to establish guidelines uh, against you know uh, race-based gerrymandering and you know uh, voter disenfranchisement and and so forth that we have seen sprung up in so many of these states uh, you know around the country. Not not just since the 2020 election, but since uh, you know the the elections in uh, 2008, you know, and and before that, the, as we've said, this is not a new phenomenon. This is a continuation of something that's been going on since the 1960s, um, and you know, if it, it's it's been sort of a slow moving uh, process. Uh, up through the the 70s and into the 80s, but it has gained momentum uh, into the 90s. Uh, remember, uh, this was uh, something that was brought forward, you know, when the Tea Party came to power, uh, alongside of the battles that were held over the economic sequester in terms of balancing the budget, you know, and. It goes to something I think I said in the last podcast I, I released last week. Um, and it's something that I talked about, again, in either the, I think it was the third or fourth show uh, back on, on when it was just WJMS Radio. Uh, I did a show where we talked about how a magic trick works. And pretty much it's, you pay attention to what the right hand is doing so that you're not paying attention to what the left hand is doing. It's called the art of distraction. What we've seen uh, going back, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years is that the Republicans uh, have mastered the art of political distraction. That is, we see these, these, uh, these, uh, rulings, these legislate, legislative actions, things brought up that when you think about it and when you look at it, it, it really is kind of obvious that you know this, this has no chance of gaining any traction. But what it is doing is it's occupying the conversation 
so that meanwhile back on the ranch the the you know the republicans and the right are moving forward and strengthening their position on legislation that's going to lock down their key uh their key points so you know while um the the democrats are you know waving their arms and and wailing about you know this particular social issue or that particular um you know school issue or or whatever the republicans have been working diligently at the state and local level strengthening their hold on the legislatures and the governor's seats working to put uh tighter restrictions on voting because remember as we've talked about voting is not controlled by the federal government the federal government can set some general guidelines for fair treatment uh you know as as indicated you know in the constitution you know equal protection under the law kinds of things but they cannot they do not determine where voting boxes are going to be located where um you know district hours are going to be extended how many observers are going to be allowed that sort of thing that is all controlled at the state level so through the the work of you know the southern strategy um, and the conservative right-wing political elements control of that local process has been locked in for you know some 35 or 40 years now republicans control more state houses and legislatures than the democrats do um you know and it, truth be told, the arguments back and forth about control of the United States House and control of the United States Senate are really just, um, while they're important, it's really more of that this is what the right hand is doing so that you're not watching what the left hand is doing. Because while you know the media is covering the battles going on about who's going to control the House, who's going to control the Senate, what senators are are crossing over party lines and so on and so forth meanwhile the republicans are solidifying their positions at the state level to ensure that you know so for for the 10 years that we're starting right now after the 2020 census we're going to be dealing with you know the redistricting um and you know the the republican gains in in seats in some states and so forth that's gonna we're gonna be under that for 10 years so you know whatever gains the republicans are making right now are locked in for the next 10 years until the next census is done and the chance is there to redraw the district maps and maybe change some of that mathematics um but while you know while this is going on you know we've we've got various you know, senators and, and um, you know, strange, strange beings that somehow got elected to, to uh, House seats and Senate seats and so forth, um, drawing our attention away from the important things that we need to pay attention to. So, you know, again, as part of what this program's about is to try and identify to you when this is happening, how it's happening, and what we need to do about it. Um, so, you know, clearly, 
number one, what we need to do about what's going on with, um, you know, one party, whether it's Republican or Democrat, one party locking down control of, you know, a majority of state legislatures or even individual state legislatures and governor's mansions uh, year after year after year, um, you know, and using gerrymandering and, and other techniques to ensure that they have an outside ed, an outsized edge rather uh, beyond the, the sheer number of uh, constituents they have. And, you know, we need to make sure that we are paying attention to that, that we are calling attention to it and that we are taking action to level that playing field back out. So that, you know, that's the ongoing um, call to action and the activism that we need to practice. So uh, with that, uh, one last piece, and this just came across uh, the, the news wires, at least the ones that I was looking at uh, a little bit ago. And that is that uh, former Alaska governor, former vice presidential candidate, Sarah Palin, is announcing that she's going to run for uh, Congress. I believe she's going to run for a Senate seat. Um, which, <laughs> if, if, you know, if you're a comedian, that's good news because she's going to give you plenty of material to talk about. Uh, you know, if she gets elected, you're going to have six years of a steady stream of really great uh, jokes to be written. Um, if, if you're a um, liberal, you know, Democrat or Democrat-leaning um, politician, uh, get ready to increase the amount of aspirin you buy because your headache is just about to get a little bit larger. And if you can't tell, even though I try and be nonpartisan, um, Sarah Palin uh, is one person I don't have a whole lot of stomach for. So I'm sorry if I'm a little bit partisan or a little bit uh, particular about that. Um, you know, but I just wanted to let you know that you know Sarah Palin is going to be in the news. And we will keep an eye and we'll bring you the headlines and, and talking points and keep you apprised as to what's going on. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's uh, edition of the Fired Up podcast. I want to thank you, as always, for listening. Please make sure that you're staying safe. Please be aware that there is a new variant to the, the COVID coronavirus that is making its way around the country. So, um, you know, while we may have thought we were safe there for a minute, in truth, we need to maintain our vigilance. Uh, please seriously consider, if you haven't, getting vaccinated uh, or getting the booster. Uh, you know, it, it is just so important to minimize your hospital sickness if you do catch the virus and nearly eliminate your chance of dying from the disease. Um, so I urge you to do that. All right, everyone, please take care. Please stay safe. And we'll be uh, issuing out another episode of Fired Up podcast in seven days. Mm-hmm.